Good morning, fellowship. Good to be with you guys this morning. Uh, my name is Rob. If I haven't met you, I'd love to do so. Um, if you're new to fellowship, we're one church in two congregations here at Franklin and then up north, as I like to say, those Yankees up in Brentwood. <laughs> but here's how we do it. It's a little bit different. We have two primary teaching pastors, myself and Lloyd Shadrach. And while I'm here, he's at Brentwood and vice versa. And we switch off that way. And we're in the same series together, same worship set together. We really are one church in two locations. I'm really glad to have you here. Uh, what Amy said about getting connected, this is the time of year. There are really two times a year that's great to get connected, at the beginning of the school year and then right now at the beginning of the new calendar year. So we hope that you will take advantage of those opportunities. I heard a story years ago that I have not forgotten. It's about an old rabbi. It took place maybe a couple thousand years ago. It wasn't Jesus. That's where your mind goes. It was a different rabbi and he was known to be old and wise and a brilliant thinker, a brilliant teacher. He used to wander around the Jewish countryside just meditating on God's law and kind of lost in thought, contemplating the will of God. One afternoon, the sun was beginning to set. He realized it was time for him to head home and he came to a fork in the road and unfortunately, he was lost in his meditations. He turned right instead of turning left. Left was back to his village and right was a path he'd not been on. And before he knew it, he came around a bend and he was suddenly upon a Roman fortress. There was a guard standing at the Roman fortress and he looked at the rabbi and the guard was a little startled to see somebody this late in the day. And he looked at the rabbi and said, well, who are you? What are you doing here? The rabbi was startled as well by the presence of the Roman guard. And he said the only thing he knew to think, to say at the moment, which was, well, what did you say? The guard said it again, who are you? What are you doing here? Light bulb went off in the rabbi's mind and he said, how much do they pay you to ask these questions? The guard was really confused, but he thought, well, I'll play along. He said, I get five denarii every day. The rabbi said, I'll pay you double that if you come to my home every morning and ask me those same two questions. Who are you? What are you doing here? I wonder how many of us could answer those questions. You know, we've been in the Gospel of John together since the fall, and we're, we're getting back into the Gospel of John in the new year, and the reason we're in the Gospel of John is because we believe Jesus gives us the answers to those questions. He is both our identity and he is our purpose. John, when he met Jesus, was a young man. He was probably the youngest of all the disciples. He would have been a young teenager. He met Jesus. He followed Jesus. He became a friend of Jesus. And when he wrote this book years later, he was reflecting back on his life. He was an old man, profoundly changed, full of love. And he wrote these words so that people like you and I would meet Jesus, follow Jesus, become a friend of Jesus and Lord willing, become old men and women, profoundly changed and full of love. As we've been getting back into our study, and you know, if, again, if you're new to fellowship, the way we teach is we just pick a book of the Bible and we teach through it. Verse one to the last verse of the whole Bible, it's called expositional teaching, and we unpack, explain what it means, and we apply it to our lives. And the reason that we're in John is, 
For such a time as this, we think God has called us to recenter on our identity and our purpose as individuals and also as a church. So in the last few weeks, we've been talking about our mission statement and put that on the screen just to remind you of what that is. It's rooted in the gospel of Jesus, becoming a community of people who follow Jesus with our whole heart and help others do the same. And you can think about this and realize, you know, in a sense, every church has the same mission. It's rooted in the Great Commission, but every church is a unique expression of that mission. And for us, what we've really locked onto is this idea of, of joining in community together, relationally connected, changed people who are following Jesus with everything we are. And the heart is a big deal here at Fellowship. The, the heart, the way the Bible teaches on the heart, it's not just the emotions. It's everything we are at our core. It's our emotions and our thoughts and our desires and our choices. It's who you are on the inside. It's the, the real you and to follow Jesus with everything you are, to put him at the center of your life. And then this back part is what I really wanna focus on this morning, help others do the same. How do we multiply that life into others? And so this morning, we're gonna look at three passages in the Gospel of John that teach us how Jesus multiplied that in the life of others. And then we're gonna say, here's how we're gonna do it as a church. The same way Jesus did it. Why would we do it any differently than he did? Uh, this last part of our mission statement is the most missional part of the mission. It's the, the place where we have to say, listen, if God has brought us together for such a time as this, we need to lean into his purpose and plan for our lives and for us collectively as a church. And I don't know about you, but when we look around and we say, what, where's this all going? Like, what's, what's life gonna be like for our grandkids when they are as old as we are now in this time and place? And what we know is that the hope is not in technology. The hope is not in Human potential, it's not in politics. The hope is in Jesus Christ, period. And, and we're people that believe that. That's why we gather together. But Jesus is saying, it's not enough for you just to believe it. It needs to seep out. It, it needs to be multiplied. So this morning, I wanna give you a glimpse of where we're going as a church. And the question I wanna answer through these three passages we'll look at in John is what will it take for our church to multiply our lives into the next generation of disciples? How will we collectively not just follow Jesus with our whole heart, but help others follow him with their whole hearts as well? And so Jesus did three things. The first we find is in John chapter one. So open your Bibles to John chapter one, and, and we're gonna pick up our text in verse 35. This is Jesus calling the very first disciples to follow him, and it's gonna illustrate the first thing that Jesus always did as he made disciples. The next day, again, John the Baptist was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you'll see. So they came and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour. They had a different way of keeping time. Uh, back in that day, the 10th hour would have been roughly our four o'clock in the afternoon. The significance for that is, you know, in that time they didn't have vehicles with headlights. So you wouldn't travel at night. It was dangerous to travel at night. So they would have stayed with him the rest of the day into the evening. They would have had a meal with him, likely would have stayed at his place, had breakfast with him in the morning. This is a relational, intimate time with Jesus. And, and it, it illustrates this first principle of how Jesus made disciples. Number one, this is how he always did it. He invited 
people into relationship. That was his first step. Now, when we go through these three steps of Jesus's strategy for making disciples, I want you to think about them from two lenses. One is, this is what Jesus is doing in you. And two, this is what Jesus wants to do through you. In you, through you. Let's talk about the in you part. He's invited you into relationship. That's profound. I love the question that Jesus asks these men. Jesus asks brilliant questions. What does, he, what does he say? He says, what are you seeking? What are you seeking? What do you really want? What do you want in life? What are you looking for? Jesus would look back at these men and say, what, why do you think you're gonna find what you're looking for in me? Do you even know what you're looking for? He's asking you that question as he's inviting you into a relationship. What are you seeking? They don't really know how to answer the question. They're like, well, what, what, what about you? We're like, where, where are you staying? And then his response back, the very next words of Jesus, come and you will see. And I love to connect the first words of Jesus and the next words of Jesus. What are you seeking? Whatever it is, come and you'll find it in me. Come and you'll see. As Mandy talked about that song earlier, I, I love the way she set that up. It's come and you'll find it in Christ. What are the desires of your heart? The deep longings for intimacy, for purpose, come to him. Come and you'll see. So we, we hear this both from this, what does he want to do in me, but what does he also want to do through me? You know, you cannot influence someone else apart from relationship. You cannot multiply your life unless you're life on life with other people. Discipleship cannot happen from a distance. Information transfer can happen from a distance. Information transfer can even happen over time, right? We're, we're reading words that were written 2,000 years ago, but discipleship must be life on life. Jesus understood that. That's why he came in the flesh. And so his strategy was to, to, to come from heaven and, and God embodied in human form and then grab onto just a handful of people and say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna live life on life with you. I'm gonna multiply myself into you. He invited them into relationship and I, I want you to pay attention through John's gospel, how personal it is. They're eating together, they're traveling together. It was, it was like a long extended road trip for three years. You ever been on a road trip with somebody? <laughs> You learn their music preferences. You learn their snack, uh, what they like to eat. They, you, you learn like what restaurants they like and they don't. You know, maybe if you're, you're staying in the same hotel room and you're like, oh man, he snores. You know, It's just this intimate, personal thing. That's how they were camping out together. They were living together from town to town. And this is what Jesus wants to do in you and through you. Invite into relationship. It was always the first part of Jesus' strategy. Now, what did he do with these people once he was in relationship with them, these men that he called and the women who also followed him? He, he was constantly cultivating something in them. He was constantly helping them change and grow. And I wanna fast forward to the end of his time with the disciples. So turn now to John chapter 13. John chapter 13, we'll pick it up in verse 35. And what I want you to see is something really incredible happened in the last two hours or so of Jesus's time with his disciples. This is at the Last Supper. We'll put it on the screen as well. Uh, this was just at the very tail end. Jesus knew this was his last opportunity to be with these men together. They didn't know it yet, but he did. And he washed their feet, which would have completely surprised them. And then in verse 12 of John 13, it says, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, 
He said to them, do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Second thing Jesus did, his strategy for making disciples, was he trained them how to truly live. Now, that might be a strange way of thinking about it. Jesus trained them how to truly live, but I, I want to engage your brain for a minute. Jesus was the first truly whole human being who ever existed. The first one who ever walked this planet who was complete, who was without sin, who was, who was whole inside of him. What Jesus was doing was he was teaching, training his disciples what it looks like to be a human being, to be fully alive as a human being, to be an image bearer of God the Father as we were all designed to be. And so he'd been doing that all along and he gets to this last moment and he, he just embodies everything that he has ever taught in this simple practice of washing their feet. Now, I had not caught this until I was studying for this very message, but this, this other question of Jesus is fascinating. Do you understand what I've done to you? Again, the questions of Jesus are, are wonderful. I think he's referring to the foot washing most obviously, but I also think since Jesus knew this was the end of his time with his disciples, I think he may have been referring to all that he had done with them over the last three years. He's putting all the pieces together. Do you understand that everything I've been about in your lives has been this, has been this washing your feet, training you how to truly live, this upside down kingdom. The last will be first. The, the poor are the ones who will inherit the earth. Uh, the ones with the true power are the servants. You know, all these things embedded in the teaching of Jesus is now coming to life right in front of their eyes. And he does something brilliant at the end. He says, I want you to do the same. You also ought to wash one another's feet. He's multiplying his life through them. I don't think it's a big risk to say Jesus is the greatest teacher who ever lived. Even if you don't believe he's the son of God, I think there's a lot of evidence could say he's influenced more people. He's the greatest teacher who ever lived. It wasn't his brilliant words that made him the greatest teacher that ever lived, although there were brilliant words from his mouth. It was the way that he embodied his teaching. It was the way that the word became flesh through him. Many of us can connect to that Think about a, a coach you had in your life or a, a great teacher or a mentor or maybe a parent or grandparent, someone who really changed you and influenced you. Maybe you remember a few things they said, but that wasn't the main thing that changed you. It was their life. It was the way that they embodied something to you. And, and, and another way to think about this is, is great teacher doesn't just tell you what to do. They also show you how to live. This is exactly what Jesus was doing. He didn't just tell them, he showed them, he trained them how to truly live. And so this was part two. So part one, he invited them relationship. Part two, he's gonna train them how to be fully human. He's gonna start multiplying his life in them through his presence, through the way that the word became flesh. And then there's one more thing that Jesus did. And we'll see this right near the very end of the book. Turn to John chapter 20. 
Here's the significance of John chapter 20, verse 19 and forward. The first time the disciples saw him after his crucifixion. I want you to think about that, how incredible that would have been. Now, the, um, Mary Magdalene and the, the women had, had already, already seen him earlier in the day, and they told the disciples, he's, he's alive, I saw him. Uh, you know, Thomas is doubting, and the others are probably thinking, this is amazing, can this be true? But they hadn't seen him. And so listen to what happens, uh, John 20, 19, when he had, whoops, that wrong passage for me, here we go. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Spirit. There's so much here. First of all, do you see how, how everything from before is coming back again? Jesus came, that sounds like the, the incarnation, and stood among them. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, John said. He's now fully alive, resurrection Jesus, in the flesh, face to face, life on life. And then he says two things to them. One, peace be with you. He says that twice. Hebrew word shalom means so much more than just no more fighting. It means wholeness completion. Jesus had just risen from the dead. He had just, S is going to be cut off. Okay, just imagine. There it is. He had just defeated death. And he's saying, listen, I've done this for you so you can be whole, you can be complete, and now I give you peace. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Says it twice. And then the second thing he says, after he says he gives them peace, is he says, I'm sending you. I'm sending you. Peace be with you. I'm sending you. You. This is the third part of Jesus' strategy. So number one, invited them to relationship. Number two, trained them to be fully human. Number three, he sent them out into the world. I have to imagine a lot more was said that evening than just those two things. Peace be among you. I'm sending you in the world. But these are the two things that John felt were most important to convey It's so significant that Jesus, he's, he's bringing something full circle. Look down here in verse 21. He says, as the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. He's going back all the way to the beginning of his life. So he's tying this all together. And he's saying, listen, listen, I, I want you to know my plan from the beginning. As God the Father sends me, come in the world, train a handful of people how to truly live as full human beings, those were you, disciples. And then my plan all along has been to send you out as the Father sent me out and multiply my life into the world. This is the moment in Jesus's life where everything comes together. Now, if you're like me and the disciples, I'm sure they were thinking, I, I can't be Jesus in the world. They must have been thinking, Jesus, we just got you back and now you're sending us out. And what about you, Jesus? You're the powerful one. You're the miracle worker. You're the master teacher. Jesus is saying, he's saying, listen, I'm not going to leave you without what you need. So what does he do? He breathes on them 
and says, receive the spirit. Breath and spirit are the same Greek word, which is really fascinating. Pneuma, wind, breath, spirit. Think about how intimate this is. They feel the physical pneuma of Jesus. They receive the spiritual pneuma of Jesus. The spirit of Christ in them. Jesus is saying the only way you will be me in the world is if you have me inside of you. Do you see yourself in this? Jesus has invited you into relationship. He is training you how to truly live. You have his pneuma, his spirit inside of you. And he's sending you out saying, you are to be me in the world. You are to be my body in your family, in your school, in your workplace, in your neighborhood. The church is meant to be a collection of people who are the body of Christ in this community. This was the strategy of Jesus. It was very simple. And so in the last couple months at Fellowship, we've been saying, listen, if, if we're gonna be living on mission, we, we, we have to grab on it the way Jesus did it. And it doesn't have to be more complicated. We invite people in, we train them up, we send them out. Let's do that together. And so I, I just wanna put this on the screen is the, the way we're illustrating this is very simple. You've got these three little drawings and they're simple enough that you could draw them on a napkin. If you wanna know, hey, what is fellowship about? This is our strategy. You know, you know our mission by now. Here's our, here's our strategy. We invite in, train up, send out, invite in to encounter Jesus, train up to become like Jesus, send out to embody Jesus. Now you might be thinking, what, what, what's the deal with, with this middle, this middle one? What, why, why is this like a strange looking arrow? It, it's because if you've been around fellowship for a while, you might recognize this. We have that symbol representing our hearts being transformed. And it's our thoughts, emotions, desires, and choices that, that all kind of come together centered on the cross of Jesus. And transformation is not a, a, a linear pathway. It's not just straight up. It's two steps forward, one step back. It's messy. One of our core values here is we're courageously real in the life of faith. We're, we're not all put together. There's a transformation of our hearts. That's the kind of training that Jesus is doing. And then that can be embodied into other people. Invite in, train up, send out. What I love about this strategy is it's just something that all of us can grab onto, every ministry and every person at fellowship. This is how our worship services flow. There's a beginning where there's a call to worship. The worship leader says, here's why we're gathered. We're here to worship Jesus. And then there's a, a sort of a training that happens both in the songs, we're learning to be worshipers, and in the Bible teaching, we're learning God's word and we're learning to embody it. And then at the end of the service, there's a sending where myself or Lloyd will say, now we've been gathered here for a purpose. We're sent out into the world to embody Jesus. How are we gonna do ministry in our children's ministry? We're gonna invite kids in, the most welcoming environment we can create here. We're gonna train them up to follow Jesus with their whole heart and we're gonna send them out in their schools, in their neighborhoods, be little embodiments of Jesus. And then ultimately, when they graduate from high school, oh my goodness, we're gonna send them out, you see. This is how our high school ministry is gonna work. This is how our marriage ministry works. We're gonna help people find life in their marriage so that they can embody the gospel through their marriages. This is how our adult groups are gonna work, same principle. 
every ministry at fellowship, every person at fellowship, this isn't just for us corporately, it's for you individually as well. We wanna equip you, train you, how to invite someone into relationship and just, just let your life impact their life and let Jesus shine through you and eventually they'll become someone that can be sent out too, Lord willing. This is how the church has been spreading for 2,000 years. Um, I wanna get really practical because I, I want you to understand this is not just talk. Like We're gonna start creating some resources to equip us to do this. And the very first resource is launching right now. We're, we're actually in a beta test of it, which I wanna tell you more about, but it's this little book called Come and See. It's designed to help you walk with someone else to learn to follow Jesus together. It's perfect for someone who's maybe new to the faith or maybe not new to the faith, but they've never thought about what it actually means to follow Jesus. It's also perfect for someone who doesn't yet follow Jesus, but they say, I'm open to Jesus. I think it's been, as I've walked through it, I'm like, man, I'm amazed how much I need this as well. Let me, let me tell you what's in here real briefly. Uh, it teaches you how to spend time with God. So, so every day in this book, put a picture of it on the screen, you'll see it, this, these prompts to journal. Come, listen, respond. That's just a simple formula to spend time with God. Come, it says talk with God about what's on your heart as you come to him today. Listen, there's an assigned reading of the day. This will walk you all the way through the Gospel of John in 10 weeks. What is the main idea of the passage? What do you believe God is saying to you in the passage or through the passage? And then respond. This is just your prayer time. You know, in light of what you've written, what is God leading you to do? And then open-ended prayer at the end. Talk with God about what you need and the needs of others. And we're just gonna encourage you to journal all these things. Make, make this relationship with Jesus tangible through the words on the page. And then at the end of every week, there's a Digging Deeper article that, that takes one theme from the readings of that week in John and goes deeper in it. And then, honestly, the most important part is the discussion time, group meeting. And let me frame this for you. This is not designed to go through alone. In fact, we've packaged these in twos. You can't get just one because we want you to invite someone else in and say, you wanna learn how to follow Jesus together. Maybe it's just you and one other person. Maybe it's you and a couple people or a few people, small group of men, small group of women. You know, you can do it different ways. But in this group meeting, whoops, I got ahead of myself. In this group meeting, there's a looking back, there's talking about the reading and the application, and then there's praying together. Keep it very simple. You don't need to have a lot of information or training to walk someone through this book. But here's what we do wanna do. I mentioned we're beta testing this right now. We're looking for some folks that wanna be in on that beta test, that wanna help us give feedback on this tool. And then in a few months from now, we're gonna release it to everybody. I wanted you to all see a preview of it. Some of you would say, I wanna do this now. I've got someone in my life right now. We could do this together. Together. If that's you, come tonight. Don't have to wait long. <laughs> come tonight and we'll just teach you how to use this resource. 5 p.m. Uh, Eric reminded me between services, you need to register. Come and see journal.com. And Eric's the, the one that's led this whole project. So if you got questions about it, come see Eric at the end. He'll be up front. Come and see journal.com. I think we've got maybe 20 or 30 more spaces for tonight. So we'd love for you to join us tonight and be at that. Okay. Here's how I want to wrap up. God's called us to become a community of people who follow Jesus with our whole heart and help others do the same. How are we gonna go do that? We're gonna invite in, train up, send out. This is for us. This is for the ministries of our church in us, through us. So one more thing I wanna show you. We've been, 
leadership team, elders, asking ourselves, what will the future look like if we're doing this strategy? And, and so we thought it might be helpful just to write a, a vision statement. It, it's not a corporate thing. It, it, it's just what we sense the spirit is, is giving us a vision for in our future. It's a very simple statement, but, but it's profoundly shaping the way that I think about our church. And so I want you to see it this morning, for really the first time, and this is it. To see Jesus transform thousands of hearts through the people of fellowship. That's what we long to see. What I love about this vision is number one, it's so Jesus-centered. It's not us that transform hearts. It's not our church that transforms hearts, it's Jesus. But what I also love about the vision statement is it calls all of us to be in it because the transformation by Jesus is not gonna come through the preaching. It's not gonna come through the, the singing on the stage. All that's part of equipping you, us, together, for Jesus to transform hearts through the people of fellowship. That's just a profound shift as I've thought about this. Like, we're not here to transform hearts. We're here for Jesus to transform hearts through us. It's so freeing to me. And it's empowering to imagine what would it look like if we trained and released you, the body at Fellowship Bible Church, to be Jesus where you live, work, and play? What, what kind of families would be transformed in schools and work institutions? I just cannot even imagine what Jesus will do through that. Our vision is not to grow a huge church. It's not to be like, oh man, we're the place that you wanna be. Our vision is to train and equip and launch people to be Jesus around our world because that's what the world needs. I wanna close with an illustration. I'm gonna invite the band to come back out. Um, we're gonna sing a song, but before we sing a song, we're gonna do a little activity together. This is weird for us, all right? If you're new here, we don't often do things like this, but I was thinking about this and I thought, this kind of message is not okay for me if it just stays on the stage. The whole point of the message is to, to, for you to, to grab onto this idea that the church is us together. So this message this morning is gonna spill out off the stage into the congregation. And so here's what I want you to do. Take, take out your phone. Everybody take out your phone if you're willing. I know some of you get nervous when you're asked to do anything other than like sit and listen. I get that. But, but trust me, it's gonna not be weird, too weird. Take out your phone, turn on your light. Turn on the flash of your light and then just kind of like set it down somewhere uh, so it's not showing yet. Maybe just put it on your lap or put it on the, the chair. And, and I want you to think about the person who helped you find Jesus. Who is that for you? Now, the person that helped you find Jesus, think about maybe it was a parent or a grandparent or someone invited you to church when you were a kid or in high school or maybe as an adult, a coworker. I just want you to think about that person. And I'm gonna read through a series of prompts. And when I describe that person, so I say, hey, I'll say, raise your light if it was a mom or dad that invited you to Christ or whatever. Then I want you to raise your light up. And then once you're raising your light up, just keep it up because this is gonna build. And some of these might apply to more than one. So I might say, yeah, my mom and dad invited me to Christ, but man, I also had a Sunday school teacher that really helped me grow. Then when you get to that next one, I want you to wave it. So put it up, keep it up. And if, if more than one applies to you, just kind of wave it around a little bit. So let's, let's go to this first one. I, I want you to raise your light if when you were a kid, and by kid, I mean like your elementary school or middle school, when you were a kid, someone invited you to church and you came to church as a kid because someone invited you. Okay, raise your light up, good. 
Okay, next one. I want you to raise your light if it was when you were in high school and it was through a youth group or maybe a young life or something. And that's how you got plugged in. That's how you met Jesus. You encountered Jesus as a high schooler through your ministry. A bunch more lights went up. I want you to now raise your hand if it was a grandparent that you'd say more than anyone else. It was my grandma, my grandpa. They, they, they were Jesus to me and they introduced me to Jesus. I see a bunch of lights that went up on that one. Now raise your hand if you'd say, I think a Sunday school teacher or a small group leader or uh, some kind of person in the church, a pastor or a lay leader in the church helped me find Jesus. Yeah, a lot of lights went up. Uh, raise your hand now if it was your mom and your dad. That's me. That's a lot of us. Raise your light if it was in college, a friend or somebody invited you to a ministry or a Bible study or something in college, you came to Christ in college. Raise your light now. No, it was, it was as an adult. If there was a friend, a teacher, a spouse, a, a pastor. There was someone in my life as an adult that introduced me to Jesus. Raise your hand up. Now, one more. Raise your light if you can think of at least one person in your life who went out of their way to invest in you. I hope that's everybody. I think that's everybody. Now, this is beautiful from my vantage point, but for the sake of the people in the back, all of you guys, turn your lights around. Turn your lights around. I want you to see it. Isn't that beautiful? Now, here's what I, here's what I want you to do. Put it, put it back. I want you just to look around for men. I'll keep them up. Keep them up. I want you to imagine these lights being multiplied. It's a visual image of this. Can, can you imagine? What if God would take these lights here because he said, we're the light of the world. Let your light shine so that others would see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. What if these were multiplied tenfold, a hundredfold, a thousandfold? That's what Jesus wants to do through us. And it's a beautiful sight.